Welcome to Talking HR Compliance, a podcast made for small businesses. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes, give or take, talking about HR and employment law matters. But you probably know them better as those things you can never keep track of and are always causing you trouble. If that sounds like you, then you've come to the right place. Sit back and let our HR and employment law experts do the talking. Hello and welcome to Talking HR Compliance. I'm Jamie Lizotte, the HR and Tax Compliance Solutions Manager at ComplyRight, as well as your host for this podcast. And on today's episode, I'm going to continue answering some questions surrounding COVID-19. As we have received so many questions from listeners about navigating this current situation. And at ComplyRight, as we are staying on top of all the laws and regulations coming out surrounded COVID-19, we do want to be able to share this information with you to help you make sure your business is remaining compliant. And if we can help you out with worrying less about one thing, compliance is it. And make sure to not only continue listening to our podcasts, but also make sure that you're following us on social media like Facebook and LinkedIn. And of course, check out our website to see what we have added as we are constantly adding new information daily. So let's jump into these questions now, and hopefully we can answer some more of your many pressing questions about how to maneuver through these unprecedented times that we are all experiencing, the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we received a few questions on how to determine if you're covered um, and how to count your employees for purposes of determining if you have fewer than 500 employees. So I'm going to start there today. And the first question is whether nonprofit organizations are covered. Uh, The answer here is yes. Uh, Just like other private companies, the FFCRA applies to nonprofits with fewer than 500 employees and the same criteria for the small employer exemption. So for those with less less than 50 employees, that also applies if you can establish all of the criteria that we went over for that exemption. Now, our next question that we received, it looks like, you know, um, a lot of uh, you understand the new FFCRA um, and that the law only applies to private companies if you have fewer than 500 employees. But there were a few questions we received around how to count your employees, um, who to include or not include. Um, So here's, you know, a common question that we received, um, and that's when counting my employees, should we include temporary employees? Um, The answer is yes, Um, you should count temporary employees. The FFCRA regulations, they state that a private company or a nonprofit entity for purposes of determining whether you're a covered employer with fewer than 500 employees should count the number of employees as follows. Um, You wanna make sure to include all current full and part-time employees that you employ in the United States, District of Columbia, or any territory or possession of the United States without regard to the employee's length of employment. Um, You also wanna include all employees on any type of leave. Um, You wanna include temporary employees who are jointly employed by you and um, another employer. Um, and that's regardless of whether these employees are maintained on only your payroll or other employers' payroll. And you want to include any day laborers um, that are supplied by a temp agency. And that's regardless whether you are the temp agency or the um, client in a cons- um, continuing employment relationship. Now, you don't have to count workers who are truly considered independent contractors under the Fair Labor Standards Act or FLSA. And that is a specific legal test. Um, It's not just about whether they receive a 1099 or not. So be very careful when it comes to independent contractors. 
Um, our next question that we received is uh, talking about accounting employees, and it's for accounting employees. Um, what if we are a small business with, with less than 500 employees, but we are owned by a much larger parent company? Do we fall under the 500 employee threshold? Now, according to the regulations, all employees of integrated employers must be counted together, and all common employees of joint employers must be counted together. So typically, a corporation, including its separate establishments or divisions, is considered a single employer, and all of its employees must be counted toward the 500-employee threshold. However, this can get complicated when a corporation has an ownership interest in another corporation, and in that case, the two corporations are counted together if they meet the current legal test for joint employer, um, and that's the joint employer status under the FLSA. Now, whether or not a company is a joint or integrated employer is complicated, and that has other legal implications. So if you are relying on joint or integrated status to claim that you collectively have more than 500 employees and you're not covered by the FFCRA, then I would really suggest that you speak to an attorney first um, about whether the entities can indeed be counted together just to make sure that you're safe and um, maintaining compliance in that arena. Now, we have uh, the next question is, we have employees who have requested paid leave because they are caring for a child whose school has closed. And the question is, does it have to be the employee's own child? Well, the guidelines are pretty clear on this. If the reason for leave is to care for a child whose school or place of care is closed, or child care provided is unavailable due to COVID-19 precautions, the child must be the employee's son or daughter. The FFR, FFCRA says the definition for son or daughter follows the traditional FMLA definition, which is the employee's biological adopted or foster child, stepchild, legal ward, or child for whom the employee is standing in loco parentis, who is under 18 years of age. Now, it also includes the employee's adult son or daughter, um, for example, one who is 18 years of age or older, who, one, has a mental or physical disability, and two, is incapable of self-care because of that disability. Now, you want to note, though, that this is specifically for child care leave due to school and daycare closings. If the reason for FFCRA leave is to care for an individual who is subject to an isolation order or advised to self-quarantine by a healthcare provider, it does not have to be the employee's child. Um, it doesn't even have to be a family member. Um, the regulations do specify that an individual can be anyone with whom the employee has a personal relationship, uh, such as an immediate family member, someone who regularly resides in the employee's home, or a person with whom the employee has a relationship and would be expected to provide care during an isolation order or a self-quarantine. We also got, you know, uh, we also received a lot of questions asking about leave taken due to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order related to COVID-19 and whether that state, that includes a stay-at-home order. Um, and the question is, does quarantine include a local stay-at-home order? And the answer again here is yes. Um, for purposes of the FC, FFCRA, actually, subject to a quarantine or isolation order includes quarantine, isolation, containment, shelter-in-place, or stay-at-home orders issued by any federal, state, or local government authority that cause the employee to be unable to work, even though his or her employer has work that the employee could perform but for the order. 
Um, This also includes when a federal, state, or local government authority has advised categories of citizens, um, like, for instance, um, of certain age ranges or of certain medical conditions, to shelter in place, um, to stay at home, to isolate or quarantine, causing those categories of employees to be unable to work even though their employers have worked for them. The next question here is, can you please clarify what it means when you say up to 80 hours of paid leave? What does up to 80 hours mean? Is that a cap? And then if that is a cap, what? So when we say that employees can take up to 80 hours of paid leave for the specific reasons allowed by law, that means the total number of hours for which an eligible employee may receive emergency paid sick leave is capped at 80 hours. They may not need all of it, but they have to have, but they have up to 80 hours, I should say. And once the employee returns to work, the employer is not required to provide any further emergency paid sick leave under the FFCRA. And in other words, the employee may be eligible for other types of paid leave, including any leave available under company policy or even state or local laws, but the emergency paid sick leave under the FFCRA would be exhausted. Now, you have to remember that there is still an additional 10 weeks allowed for leave taken due to school or daycare closures, but for the 80-hour cap, um, that applies to all other reasons for leave that um, under the FFCRA. Now, another common question is, can employees uh, take emergency paid sick leave on an intermittent basis? And the answer here is it depends on the reason and a couple of other factors. If the employee is reporting to your worksite and uh, obtaining leave for any reason other than for child care leave due to school or daycare closures, then that leave must be taken in full day increments and used continuously until the qualifying reason is over. And this is because the intent of FFCRA paid sick leave is really to prevent employees from spreading the virus to others. Now, if the reason for the leave is to care for the employee's child due to school or daycare closures, then the employer and employee may agree to allow intermittent leave. So, for example, if the employee is working remotely or teleworking, this leave may be taken intermittently if the employer and employee agree to the arrangement. The next question is, do employees need to exhaust their PTO or sick leave before using emergency FFCRA paid leave? Well, it depends. And for emergency paid sick leave, an employer may not require employees to use paid vacation, personal, medical, or sick leave before or concurrently with paid sick leave. And this is because paid sick leave is in addition to, not a substitute for, Um, and an employee's other leave entitlements. So make sure you understand that. That paid sick leave is in addition to and not a substitute for. So for expanded family and medical leave, um, including the extended coverage due to school or daycare closures, an eligible employee may elect to use or an employer may require that an eligible employee use um, leave that's available under the employer's policies, such as vacation or personal leave or even paid time off, Um, concurrently with the expanded family and medical leave. The next question that we've been receiving is, if employees are home because their child's school or place of care is closed or child care provider is unavailable, do they get emergency paid sick leave, expanded family and medical leave, or both? And how do those two interact? 
Um, employees may be eligible for both types of leave, but only for a total of 12 weeks of paid leave. Now, remember, there are two separate parts of the FFCRA that apply when an employee has to miss work to care for a child whose school or daycare is closed. Um, and first, there's the Emergency Paid Sick Leave Act, which provides an initial two weeks of paid leave at two-thirds the employee's regular rate of pay. Then after the first 10 workdays have elapsed, the Emergency and Family Medical Leave Expansion Act kicks in, and that allows eligible employees to receive two-thirds of their regular rate of pay for 10 additional weeks, which is job-protected leave. So therefore, eligible employees may take both paid sick leave and the expanded family and medical leave to care for their child whose school or place of care is closed or the child care provider is unavailable to care for the child due to COVID-19 related reasons. Our next question is, we have employees that have already taken FMLA for other reasons, or they have exhausted their FMLA for the 12 month period. Do these employees get an additional 12 weeks if they need to care for a child due to school closings under FFCRA? Um, unfortunately, the answer here is no. Um, the EFMLEA, um, which is that emergency um, leave, that expands protections, but it does not offer additional leave beyond the typical 12 weeks. Therefore, if an employee has exhausted their FMLA in the plan year, they would not be eligible for the additional leave under the Emergency Family Medical Leave Ex um, Expansion Act. Now, um, the next question here is talking about small businesses with fewer than 50 employees um, and if they qualify for the exemption and how do they qualify. Well, for now, there is nothing to officially file, but uh, if you are a business with fewer than 50 employees, you should go ahead and document how providing this leave would jeopardize the viability of your business. Specifically, you may claim this exemption if an authorized officer of the business determines that providing leave would do any of the following. Um, if it would result in your small business's expenses and financial obligations exceeding revenues and cause you to cease operating at minimum capacity, if it would create a substantial risk to the financial health or operational capabilities of your small business due to the specialized skills, the business knowledge, or the responsibilities of the employee, or if there aren't enough workers who are able, willing, and qualified, and even available at the time and place needed to perform the labor or services of the employee requesting leave, and then these labors or services are necessary for your business to operate at minimum capacity. Now, in these cases, you should document all the facts and circumstances that justify the denial of leave. And make sure that you retain those records for your own files. Um, again, you do not need to submit anything to the U.S. Department of Labor at this time, but you want to make sure to document it and keep those for your records just in case. And remember, even if you are a small business choosing to claim the exemption, you're still required to post the mandatory federal FFCRA notice and distribute it to new hires. So make sure that is happening. All right. Well, that concludes today's episode, and I hope we answered some of the questions that you have about how to navigate with your business through COVID-19. I do want to thank everyone for listening, and remember to follow us on social media to stay up to date. And of course, as always, it may not, may not be the happiest of times, but we always want to be your go-to when it comes to compliance so that we can say happy complying as we make it less of a burden for you. So until next time, take care and stay safe. Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to Talking HR Compliance. If you still want more, you can subscribe, review, share with your friends. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes of Talking HR Compliance.